Bibles with me this morning. I've entitled the message this morning, Wait! Who, me? You know, I, Scripture tells us that, and I think we're going to see that. But sometimes we think that it applies to someone else. But if you take your Bibles this morning, we're going to eventually get to Isaiah 40, verse 31, and then we'll use Genesis 22 and Daniel chapter 3. These other scriptures I will be using as reference scriptures. So, let me tell you, we've been spoiled in our society on the subject of God's timing or waiting. And I want you to know it really depends on what we're waiting for. Uh, the other morning, Kyle was at the house and he, I was in the kitchen and he come in there and he said, he said, Papa, he says, I'm hungry. I said, what do you want? He says, sausage and pancakes. I walked to the freezer. I reached in. I pulled out something that looked like a corny dog that had a sausage in the middle, wrapped in a pancake. I stuck it in the microwave for 55 seconds. I pulled it out. I put it on a plate, squirted some syrup on the plate, and in less than a minute, he had sausage and pancakes. Now I want you to know, our society, we have been spoiled, hadn't we? Now, I don't know how many, how many in here, just raise your hand, how many in here are pre-microwave? Okay, we, we got quite a few. No, you've had a microwave all y'all's lives, don't tell me that. I had a microwave when I was growing up. But I'm telling you, now this is what you used to have to do. Now, I was raised in a family where you had lots of leftovers. And if you had leftover pinto beans, you either ate them cold or you had to take out the pot. We had an electric stove. Turn the stove on. It had to take a little while to heat up the element. Then you had to put the beans in the pot. And then you sat there and you stirred and you stirred and you stirred and you stirred. About 15 or 20 minutes, you finally got some hot beans. Or if it was like a corny dog, you went and you turned the oven on to 350. You waited and waited and waited for it to preheat. Then you put it on a cookie sheet. You put it in. About 10 minutes later, you would hope that it was not still frozen in the middle. Of course, you don't have that problem with the microwave. It starts cooking from the inside out. But we've been spoiled in our society concerning God's timing and waiting. When the scripture tells us to wait, we're going like, wait, wait, that's not something I am accustomed to. And again, it depends on what we're waiting for. On Good Friday, you see people lining up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning for them to open the store doors uh, the week or the, the day after Thanksgiving. Hey, they're willing to wait all night for the doors to open so they can get that first chance at the sale that's going on in that store. Or I was watching, I think it was this last fall, Apple came out with a brand new iPhone. People came two days early, pitched a tent outside and waited for the opportunity to get one of the first iPhones that come out. It depends on what you're waiting for, whether or not you are patient or not depending on what you want. Now, you'll pull up behind someone at the traffic light down here in Livingston. 
And you'll be sitting there behind them, and, and the light will turn green. Maybe they're distracted. Three or four seconds pass by, and what are you doing? You're on the horn because you can't stand to wait for them to look up and see the light. Anybody guilty of that? About a week ago, I did. I don't know. You ask. I don't normally do this. I waited for ten seconds, and they still they were reading their text messages. I guess so. I had to get their attention. Or right, tell me this: How many of you do this? You go to Walmart. You're standing in line. Somebody does their debit card, and they go, "Oh, something's wrong. Your debit card's not working." Oh, here, let me get another card. And then they go, oh, wait, just a second. Here, I don't want that item right there. Can you take that one off before I pay? What is your first reaction? <sighs> you sigh real loud. Or you <clears throat> clear your throat as you're looking up and down trying to find a way to go somewhere else. Impatience. Impatience. And I want you to know our society has taught us to be impatient. How, how many of you were... Well, y'all might, y'all might be in this. When the, when the internet first came out and it was, it was dial-up. Click. Hey, you want to know what? We were all patient. Back then, we were just glad to have the internet, weren't we? And now, if you hit a key and the page you're looking for is not immediately up, then we begin to complain. I can't believe we pay this much for high speed, and, and it's not there immediately. I can't believe. We're going to have to do something about this service that we're having. Anybody guilty of that? Listen, our society has taught us to be impatient. Now, this is what I want to do this morning. I sang a song, and told the story of Lazarus through this song, how Mary and Martha thought Jesus was way too late. I want you to know Jesus had a plan that Martha and Mary had not even thought of yet. They had no idea that after four days Jesus could raise someone from the grave. So what I want us to do this morning, I want us to look at the attitude that we should have while we're waiting on God. The attitude that we should have while we're waiting, while we're praying, while we're seeking after God, what kind of attitude should we have? So that's going to be the subject for this morning. First thing I want to do is I want to read some of these scriptures in the Bible that refers to what, what God says about waiting. Now, I'm just I'm going to call out the text. I realize that we do have a lot of people that listen to these messages online, so I want to call out the text and where they're found and give a brief description of what it says. In Psalms 27, in verse 14, it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalms 37 and 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself. What's another word for fret? Not. Don't worry. Wait on the Lord and don't worry about it. Psalms 37 and 9 says, 
For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. Isaiah 40.31, this is one of our key texts. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Those are the ones who wait upon the Lord. Proverbs 20 and 22 says this, Do not say, I will pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord, and He will deliver you. Oh my goodness, how many of us want to take vengeance in our own hands? I tell you, I've already mentioned it. Somebody came up on the back porch or the carport. I guess it's been several, several months ago now. Took my chainsaw and took my air compressor. Took a five-gallon can of gas. I want you to know, I wanted to know who did it. And I finally said, okay, Lord. Remember, everything I own is yours. I said, Lord, somebody stole your chainsaw. You do whatever you want to about it. I give it up. So, I still look for that chainsaw at the pawn store. So anyway, Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 17 says this, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding His face from the house of Jacob. I will put my trust in Him. Isaiah 30 and 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for Him. I love this this scripture. Uh, My son got in trouble at school one time. And he wanted to take out what he wanted to do to this other boy on his own. And I said, listen, son, if you do it on your own, there's nothing I can do about it. But if you will come and tell me, your daddy can take care of things. And that's the way we did it. He, he came and he said, Dad, this is, I think he was in the fifth grade. There's this little boy bullying me. He's taking my lunch. He's flipping my tray over and, at the lunch table. And, and we went to school and we said, look, this is what's going on. Now, I want you to know if my son had went and flipped his tray over, my hands were tied. I want you to know God wants you to be patient. He wants you to wait on Him. If you leave it in His hands, He can do a whole lot better job at vengeance or justice than any of us can. We must be willing to wait upon the Lord. Two scriptures that I find very promising in the Word of God is Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. You hear me using it all the time. Because it says, For whatever things are written aforetime." Talking about in the Old Testament. We're written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures that we might have hope. Also in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse, I think it's verse 2, it tells us that we are to be reminded of what the holy prophets of before have said for our example. The Scripture tells us that we are to go into the Old Testament and read the events that God had recorded in the Old Testament so that we can learn how God wants us to respond to different situations. So this morning, I've got two examples 
that I want to use this morning in talking about our attitude that we should have while we're waiting for God to do uh, in our situation what we have a desire for Him to do. So let's turn to Genesis, if you would. I, I know I told you to turn to Isaiah, but we've already read it. Turn to Genesis, if you would, chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. I believe for some of us this will be a familiar scripture. For some of us this may be the first time we've ever heard it. So I want to make sure that we give enough attention to it that we understand what it is that God is trying to speak to us about. Genesis chapter 2. Abraham is who this story is about. Abraham has been called of God. He said, Abraham, I have tried to deal with the world one-on-one. He tried to deal with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They were disobedient. They were cast out. He tried to deal with all of mankind one-on-one. And they did not come. They did not worship God. God brought judgment on the earth through Noah and the flood. Most of us know about that. After the, the world began to become, become repopulated, again, God was trying to deal with man one-on-one, and they refused to worship, they refused to serve God. That brings us to the story of the, the Tower of Babel. God said, my goodness, these people will just not listen to me. If we don't stop them, they're going to fulfill every imagination that's in their mind. There's nothing going to be kept from them. So God says, I'm going to confuse their language. So God confused their language. The next event we see, God is still not being worshipped. God is still not being served. And God concerning man says, okay, from now on, I am going to show the world that there is a God in heaven and I am going to pick one group of people, and I'm going to show the world through this one group of people that I am God and that there is a God in heaven. And God found favor in Abraham. God makes Abraham a promise. He says, Abraham, through your uh, descendants, the world is going to be, I'm going to give you descendants as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea, I said, I am going to give descendants to you through you and your wife, Sarah. That's what I'm going to do. Well, when you begin to look at Abraham's story, you see that Sarah is way up in age. Abraham is way up in age, and they still don't have any children. So Abraham has a child through his wife's handmaiden, which was not what God appointed. But now Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. They still don't have a children. And God said, did I not promise you that your descendants are going to inherit this land? That your descendants are going to be as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea? Did I not promise that? Abraham said, yes. And then God opened up Sarah's womb, and she had a child at 90 years old. Abraham was 100. And his name was Isaac. All right? Abraham was just ecstatic. Wow, this is great. God kept his promise. I want you to know Abraham's faith continued to grow in God and their relationship. And then we come to this event where God says in Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 1, he says this. 
And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt, a better word for that is test, Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. Well, wait a minute. Abraham is now about 115, maybe 120 years old. I thought you were saying my descendants were going to come through my son Isaac. But then Abraham remembers, oh, that's right. I am going to trust God for what he says do. When you begin to continue to read this story, what you're going to come across, Abraham immediately leaves the next morning. He takes his son Isaac. He takes some of his servants with him. They take wood. They take fire with them. And they are headed now to the mountain. And they travel for several days. We get down to verse number 7. On their trip, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, he says, Yes, my son. Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Understand. Hey, this is not the first time Isaac has seen his dad make sacrifices unto the Lord. They've always used the lamb. They always done, used the wood. They always had a burnt offering. That's what they done. That's, that's how God has instructed Abraham to worship him. Hey, dad, where is the lamb? He said, don't worry about it, son. God's going to provide. Well, now, who was Abraham told to sacrifice? His son. His son. He didn't say, son, hey, I'm fixing to sacrifice. He didn't tell him that. He said, listen, the Lord's going to provide. There's nothing to worry about here. So we look down in Genesis 22 and verse number 10. Look what it says. It said, then he reached out of his hand. He, now he has built this altar. He has put fire on it. He has laid his son on the wood. He has reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. He says, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your, from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, and he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called to the place, The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on that mountain, The Lord, it will be provided. Now, this morning... My point is the attitude Abraham had in going through this process. You know, when we, when we look at this story, it really doesn't give us any idea of the attitude that Abraham had. It doesn't give us the clue. Well, when he was going, we understand that Abraham was doing exactly what God told him to do. It doesn't tell us that Abraham was about to take that knife and he was... Okay, God, when are you going to stop me? I believe God was looking at Abraham's heart, and God knew that Abraham was going to be 
completely obedient to what God had called him to do. Well, you know what? We don't find Abraham's attitude here in this scripture. But if you'll flip over with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to find the attitude that Abraham had in this. The attitude that Abraham had when he was doing what God had called him to do. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Look what it says. I I hear your pages turning. I'll wait on you. Good verse right here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried or when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In other words, this is the promise. I'm going to bless you through Isaac. Verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. He tells us what Abraham's attitude is right here. When God told Abraham, he said, Listen, I want you to take your son, your only son. I want you to take him up on the mountain I will tell you of. I want you to sacrifice him unto me. And he says, As a, as a, a sweet offering unto the Lord, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll go through it. So he does. He does exactly what God tells him to. He takes him and he lays him on the altar. And this is what it says. Because Abraham knew that God had already made a promise to him. He said, Abraham, I promise that that son that's laying there, if you put him to death, if God's going to keep his promise, you're going to have to raise him back from the dead. You're going to have to do something. God, I have faith in you. I am not worried about this. This is no sweat off of my brow. I'm going to just be obedient to you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. And whatever takes place up here, God, you've made a promise, and I know that you're going to keep it. So whatever it is, I'm willing to do it. Now let me tell you something. That's called faith. That's when you say, Lord, I trust you. How hard is that? I don't speculate at all that every single one of us have been in situations completely out of our control. And we say, Lord, all I know to do right now is to fully trust you. My mind just goes back when they brought our grandson out before they'd done surgery on him. And I, you could not hardly see him for the wires and the tubes. He was about four or five months old, had a hole in his heart. And he'd gotten old enough or big enough at the point he wasn't even, even six pounds yet. 
But it got to where his body was needing more blood than his heart would provide, and he started going downhill. And they said, "Listen, he's really not—he's not stable enough for us to do surgery on, but we have to do surgery now." That's when you go in the waiting room, and you just have to hold your hands up and you say, "I surrender." Lord, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I don't know if my grandson's going to live, my grandson's going to die. But God, I fully trust you, and I accept, before the surgery ever starts, Lord, I accept the outcome. That's hard to do. Now, we have to understand, in, in these examples that God has given us that we can look at and we can follow after, we need to understand that it's... I don't believe God will ever call you to go and sacrifice your child for a purpose. But we need to understand, we're talking about life situations. We're talking about 2018, all right? We're talking about marriage situations. We're talking about job situations where you have a job one minute and you don't have a job the next minute. And now you're gonna, we're going to fret. The Scripture tells me He'll never leave me nor forsake me. The Bible tells me that He has a plan for us that we should prosper and that we should succeed. He tells us all that. And then we sit here and we go, Okay, God, now what? And then, then some of the attitudes, we get mad at God because of a situation or a circumstance. And we're not waiting on God. The proper attitude is this. We dig into God's Word, we accept His promises, and we stand on His promises no matter the outcome, that's what he's called us to do. That should be our attitude. Our light should shine in the midst of the storm just like it shines when everything's going okay. That's what God has called us to do. He has called for him to get glory from our lives. We should wait patiently in every circumstance so that God gets the glory from it. Here is an example of that. Let me give you another example that he gives us. Look in Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, and I love this one. I have to, I have to watch myself sometimes. I, I kind of read between the lines. You know I'm guilty of that. And, uh, but the way my mind works, I begin to look at at what God is doing for these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the situation that He has put them in, and I recognize the attitude that these three men have when they're standing in front of this king. <laughs> it's the kind of attitude that you and I should have. But let's see what's going on here before we just jump to the end here. In Daniel chapter 3... In verse 1, this is what Nebuchadnezzar has said. Nebuchadnezzar is the king over the world, not just Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar is the king over the world. He is the first world ruler that this earth has ever seen. That's who King Nebuchadnezzar is. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's the king. He made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits or 90 feet, and the breadth thereof was nine, uh, six cubits, which is nine feet, and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province 
of Babylon. Now, this is just an idol. This is an image out there in the middle of the desert. And then this is what he says. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together, uh, to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, uh, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the providence to come and to, dedic- to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. So he's got this image out in there. And what he's doing, he said, now listen, I want all of my leaders to come. Because what I'm going to do, if I can get my leaders to bow down to this image, they're going to set the example for all of Babylon. All of the people I'm over. But I've got to get my leaders in the community to, to follow first. Well, now understand, this is what the king Nebuchadnezzar has done. King Nebuchadnezzar has sent out armies all around Babylon. Now, we know the story how he goes all the way to to Jerusalem, to the nation of Israel, and he takes all of the nation of Israel captive. He takes them 900 miles all the way to Babylon. Babylon is in the middle of Iran today. So you, if you go home and get on the map, you look where Israel or Jerusalem is, that's how far King Nebuchadnezzar has taken the Israelites. Understand this, though. He has not just went and took Israel. He has went to nations all around him, and he has conquered all the nations around him. People from every different tribes and kingdoms have now gathered in Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar has put them in charge of certain groups of people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are three Jewish boys that he has put them as counselors over some of the land, over some of the people. Now they have come and they have gathered together, and I think most of us understand the story that's going on here. He says, listen, I'm going to get all of my rulers, my princes, my sheriffs, my my governors, when the music plays, everybody's going to bow down, and then everybody in the nation is going to see this is the proper thing to do. So, that's what takes place. Look in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 4. He said, this is what's going to happen. Then a herald will cry aloud to you, and it is a command, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time that you hear the sound of the music, I shortened that to cut out all of the names of those music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image, that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whosoever falleth not down in worship, shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So this was what he told him to do. I mean, that's a pretty good threat. Bow down or get burned. That was pretty simple. The problem was, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served a God that had made promises to them. And he said, listen, my promise is if you will follow me, I'll provide for you. If you will follow me, I will protect you. If you will follow me, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will take care of you. And this is the promise that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego depended on. They trusted him, but he also says, worship me and me alone. Hey, guys, if we bow down to this image, um, we're disobeying the God that we serve and we believe and we practice. Uh, We just can't do that. So that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made the decision to do. 
Verse number 12, it tells us that there was a certain group of men went to the king. It says, There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they brought these men before the king. Now, here is the showtime. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come before the king. Did you notice the king's attitude? It said he was furious. The Bible even says that they make the furnace. He says, you make the furnace hotter than it's ever been. I'm going to show these guys. I'm going to set an example. Anybody that rebels against me, this is what happens to you. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been now asked by the king. He says, what's your decision? I am giving you the opportunity one more time to change your mind. Now, here is the attitude. This is the attitude that God is calling me and you as His children to have when we're faced down by the world, when we're faced down with problems, when we're faced down with situations that are out of our control, when we're in the midst of the storm, this is the attitude that God calls you and I to have. Now, here, here, here goes my mind, okay? If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had had three lazy boy recliners, I believe they'd have sat in front of that king, they'd have kicked their shoes up on that recliner, and then this was their reply. Okay, king, you do what you want to. You throw us in the fiery furnace, we're going to serve our God. We're not going to do what you tell us to do. Our God can save us if He wants to, and if He doesn't, that's okay too. Now, let me read their reply here. Shadrach, Meshach, and this is verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we didn't have to do much thinking or considering over this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the bar, this burning, fiery furnace, he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. And if, if, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now, do you see that attitude? I'm going to serve God no matter what the answer is. If God saves me from this cancer, I'm going to serve God. If He doesn't, I'm going to serve God. If I lose my job and I can't find another one that makes the same amount of money, I'm going to serve God. If He does, does give me a better job, I'm going to serve Him. If He doesn't, I'm going to serve Him. If God does not heal me from this situation, I'm going to serve Him. If He does... I'm going to serve Him. But I want you to know my attitude is not determined by the situation. My faith and my trust in God is the same no matter the outcome. That's the attitude that we are to have 
as Christian believers. That's the attitude. And I want you to know when we have an attitude like that, the world sees that attitude. I want you to know the results, and I, I think all of us in here know the results. King Nebuchadnezzar throwed him in the fire. They were walking around in the fire for a little while. Jesus shows up. He's walking in the fire with them. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in and said, Did we throw three guys in there? What are they doing walking around? I see a fourth one. He looks like the Son of God in there. They pulled them out. They didn't smell like smoke. They didn't have a, a singed hair on their body. And Nebuchadnezzar says, I declare, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God is God. Because they were willing to stand. They had the attitude that they were supposed to have in a bad situation because of their attitude, God was glorified in it all. That's the attitude we are to have towards waiting, waiting, waiting. How many of us are impatient? Thank you for those honest hands. And listen, I am telling you, I believe our society has taught us impatience. But when we go back to the Word of God, and when we look at the examples God gives us in His Word, we need to understand that He has told us the attitude that we are to have. Now, I hope we understand, well, some of you will understand this statement. There's a whole lot of depth to this message this morning. And I will, I will dig a little deeper tonight in this message. Because you see, in waiting for God sometimes, John the Baptist was thrown into a prison cell and he was beheaded at 30, 31, 32 years old. Well, Brother Wayne, what do you say about a situation like that? We'll come back tonight and I'll tell you what I say about that. But sometimes, sometimes God does not release us from the fire. Sometimes God does not release us from the lion's den. Sometimes He says, listen, for my honor and glory, you have to endure certain things. And we'll look at that tonight. Let me finish with a couple of these promises on our attitude as we wake. Psalms 18 and verse 30 says, As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler or a shield to all of those who trust in Him. Romans 8 and 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Proverbs 3 and 5, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not upon thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your paths. In James, he says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I want you to know in situations where God calls us to wait, it builds us in our faith. Last one, Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace 
not of evil, to give you an expected end. <laughs> I, I wish there was a way I could express how much God loves you. God wants only the best for each and every one of us. So He's given us His best. He's given us His Son, Jesus Christ. He gives every single one of us an opportunity to be a believer by simply trusting in Him, believing what Jesus has done for you. He gives you that opportunity. And as a child of God, He can give us an attitude that when we go through life's struggles... He gives us an attitude to trust Him in all things. Do you trust the Lord this morning? It may be that you're facing a situation, even in life right now, that you just simply need to say, Okay, Lord, I'm going to wait with the right attitude. <laughs> and listen, we we got a lot of sick folks. We've got some folks in our church that have been sick for a long time. And I want you to know we've also got some folks that have been sick for a long time that are waiting patiently with the right attitude and testimony of who God is in their life. Let's stand this morning. If you've got a decision you need to make this morning, you make that decision this morning. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that you've given us this morning. I want to thank you for the examples that you put in your word that we can look at real-life situations just like what we face from day to day, the storms of life, the situations that come up, and you tell us exactly how we can handle these situations. Lord, we're going to trust you. No matter what, we're going to trust you. God, give us the attitude that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. We're going to trust you no matter what we face. We're going to trust, depend, and lean upon you. Thank you so much that you've given us that opportunity to do that this morning by believing and trusting in your son Jesus. We just pray that you'll be pleased with the decisions that are made this morning, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You respond this morning.